On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, I welcome first-time guest and longtime Prince fan to the show, Micah Simpson. We're going to be discussing It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night, the penultimate track on his epic double album, Sign of the Times. Welcome to the show, Micah. Hey, hey. Thank you for having me. I've been you know, a fan of what you do on the Purple Underground for a while now and following you on social media, but... I don't know if there, there may be people on or listening to my show that aren't familiar with, with what you do, Micah, and maybe if you could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your connection to Prince, your entry point to his music, that kind of stuff. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, for those who don't know me, I'm, my name is Micah Simpson. I'm uh, from Newport, Kentucky, which is part of uh, Northern Kentucky, uh, or we're right across from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. But um, I'm actually, uh, I do a YouTube channel with uh, my uh, partner and uh, one of my best friends, uh, Perry Ross, AKA P Ross. And uh, we have a YouTube channel called The Purple Underground. And we've been trying to think how long we've we been doing this. I wanna say since 2012, I believe. I, yeah, I think uh, 2012. So. Yeah, it's just pretty much we do uh, video vlogs, uh, album reviews, uh, song discussions. Uh, uh, P. Ross, he does, uh, he's kind of known for doing unboxings of uh, new Prince releases. And uh, we actually have a, a segment on there called uh, Face Off Friday Challenge, where we sort of take two Prince songs or just two songs and just kind of go up against each other, you know, just to do something for fun. And uh that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I've just been a, a long time, uh, really just a, a music uh, lover, uh, music enthusiast, music nerd, if you want to, however you want to uh, paraphrase it. So what 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 would you be like your, what was like your first memory of listening to Prince's music, if you even remember what that is anymore? Great question. Um, <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, the earliest memory of me was, uh, Actually, the first time I ever seen him was, I want to say I was about three years old, and I was in my parents' bedroom, and there was a, a TV show back in the day. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it. it used to be called uh, Friday Night Videos. It used to come on uh, uh, NBC. Yep. And the first video that I ever seen him visually was uh, 1999. Didn't know who the guy was. I just I just heard the song and I like what I heard. And mm-hmm. uh, image wise, he just looked very. He had just a very striking look. You know, the hair, the the shiny purple trench coat. You know, it was just something about him. Yeah, he had the he had the beautiful women up there on stage singing along with them. He had. Cool Absolutely. guys up front, oh, yeah. you know, playing guitar. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it's a great, great image. Oh, yeah. He knew what he was doing, setting yeah. up that revolution for the for world world domination. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so a little bit after that, I think I had heard Little Red Corvette. So, you know, I was just slowly starting to, you know, get my feel of for who this guy was. But the person who I always credit, uh, who really introduced me to Prince as far as what his name was and his music was my uh, sister, who's uh, uh, she, she's older than me, but she's really the person who I always credit to 
because uh, she was already a fan of his. And uh, I think when I seen and heard Wind Doves cry, that's what really uh, got me to be like, okay, let me check this guy's music out. So uh, one day my father took me downtown Cincinnati to go look for a Prince album. And I, I don't think Purple Rain was out yet. It, it may have been, but we were looking for the album and they didn't have it. Uh, they had 1999. And that was actually the album that I was going to ask my father to purchase me. But the album that really <laughs> had my interest was Controversy. Mm. And, you know, at, at that time, you know, I, I want to say album covers were sort of important because I think the reason why I got that one because it had his picture. So I wanted to get familiar with his, you know, for what he looked like. Mm-hmm. So, and, so it's something about the album cover that really, really drew me into him. Yeah, cool. uh, yeah so that was really my first Prince album. Uh, now, looking back on it, I, I had no business listening <laughs> to that album. <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah, um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, at the time I was I was four years old. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, because when uh, when Doves cried, the music video it was already out. But I, I really can't remember Purple Rain. The album was out just yet. But shortly after, my father, we went and picked that album up too. Yeah, yeah. So you were by 1984. You were like diving into the Prince deep end of the pool with controversy and Purple Rain. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I would say, you know, Jason, I would just say I was baptized. That's that's when I got <laughs> baptized in the sea of purple. We'll, we'll just yeah. say that. It's so cool, though, when Purple Rain came out, and I didn't take advantage of it in the way that I should have at the time. But, you know, it's not like it was his debut album or anything. Like, if you really mm-hmm. got into Prince with Purple Rain or even, like, 1999, and you were just, like really into his music really into his style his sound you could go Mm -hmm. back and he had like four albums you know worth of material that you could have done controversy dirty mind prince and for you and so you had a bunch of music that you could have you know backfilled in your catalog to get yourself Mm -hmm. familiar with him as he you know as as, while you were listening to his current project whether it was 1999 or purple right so we had a lot of stuff already in the can that many of us weren't aware of until he kind of blew up i mean yeah we all know that he had kind of a pretty strong following in the black community for you know his um Mm -hmm. prince album and for you and controversy as well but like where i grew up nobody was listening to that stuff you know I, i grew up in a very kind of rural setting and so it took his crossover success in 1999 and purple rain for people to finally check his older stuff and it was just mm-hmm. kind of cool. It's like, wow, this guy's got so many albums already, you know? Where where have I been? Where has he been? Why? How come I'm just hearing about this stuff now? And, you know, you just, at that time, you just got to blame the, you know, the um, the media options that were available. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have Spotify. We couldn't, you know, right. didn't have the internet to see what else was being done. You had to go, you had to put a lot more work in, let's put it that way, to, to really oh, yeah. get to somebody's discography like that. Absolutely. Uh, Again, going back to my uh, sister, who I'm always, uh, like I said, I always credit her. She she played a really big influence on my musical taste uh, and probably my parents uh, as well. Uh, But 
normally, because me and my sister used to share, share rooms, so she would play the radio a lot. So whatever I heard coming out of her, her radio, you know, that's what I sort of gravitated towards. But she actually went to the Purple Rain show that was uh, here in Cincinnati, nice. and she ended up getting uh, the tour uh, book, the program. So that's where I started to see that he had other albums. I started to see the previous albums. And I said, oh, man, so now I got to go back and try to get all yeah. those. Yeah, I think stores were starting to uh, stock up on some of these older catalog albums from mm-hmm. from Prince after the success, because I doubt that they're regularly carrying copies of For You in 1984. You know, an album that didn't sell that well. It's like, oh crap, we gotta we gotta backorder some of these things. People want it now. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I really don't remember seeing like the first two albums back then when I was that young. It, it wasn't until maybe. A few years later, when I was a little older, to yeah. start seeing a lot of this, those other albums. Well, cool. Thanks for sharing that, Micah. Um, so now, flash no forward, it's 1987. Okay. And Prince has uh, released his Sign of the Times album. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to it now, this would be the song we're going to be covering today. It's going to be A Beautiful Night. It is the second to the last song on the entire album. Like, if it was just all one long album, it would be the second to last song course it's double disc if you have the cd it's four sides if you have the vinyl and so it it would be like the second to last song on side four second to last song on disc two and it kind of always was that had that placement as the second to last song even when back when you know prince had the crystal ball configuration which was going to be the triple disc set that he was going to release after parade uh it's going to be a beautiful night was going to be the second to last song on disc three of that album. So, you know, he kind of liked this position as being like the second to last thing that people hear from him, uh, uh, in terms of this, you know, this era of his music and this, um, this album, album cycle. What's kind of interesting about, it's going to be a beautiful night. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things interesting about it, but you know, just from a housekeeping standpoint, it was recorded live so this is like the only song on the album that you know was recorded live everything else had been recorded in you know prince's um or you know by prince in studio and most of it was by himself this had it was supposed to have that live feel to it and it was recorded live in paris france while on a stop in the parade tour in, in august uh, i think it was august 25th of 1986 mm-hmm. and so if you think back to what was who was his band in August of 1986. It was still technically the revolution. And that's one of those kind of key little pieces of trivia that not everybody knows is that even though Sign of the Times isn't a Prince in the Revolution album, the revolution are on this album, on this song in particular. And so it's technically the last Prince in the Revolution song. Actually, during this time in 1987, I didn't have the sign of the times album uh and i think right around this time i was really starting to uh, collect cassette tapes a little bit more than uh, vinyl and unfortunately my parents would not buy the sign of the times album for me because if uh if my memory serves me correctly i was told that you're you have too much print stuff but i think it was a little bit more than that (laughs) now too much print stuff (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but no such thing. 
but I think they were hearing certain things when I would play his music on my uh, sure. my uh, radio. That that's that's what I think. So, but my sister had it, so that was the only way I actually could uh, could hear the album was uh, her uh, copy of the uh, cassette tape. But when I got my own copy, then that's when I started reading the uh, liner notes and and uh, seeing that the the revolution is a, a part of that recording. Yeah, liner notes were really important in the pre-internet age for sure. A- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I remember that was like even when I was like my buddies and I, we wouldn't always buy the same tape. Like I, one friend would buy the tape and then we'd all like dub it from them, and then I would buy tape and then they dub it for me. Mm-hmm. And so when we were doing that, you know, I'd always at least spend while I was recording while I was dubbing it, I would spend time with the liner notes so I could learn it because I knew I'd have to eventually give it back to my friend because it was his tape. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I was really into the liner notes too. Uh, of course, couldn't remember everything, didn't commit everything to memory, but that kind of stuff gave gave us information as music fans, music listeners that uh, you couldn't you couldn't get anywhere else. You know, who, who produced this? Who's on this? You know, mm-hmm. is there some sort of little bit of trivia like where was it recorded i want to know who the i want to know who the engineer was i want to you know details that so many people just don't find important you know as as a big music fan i'm sure you can relate that's the kind of stuff that i really dug you know i really wanted to know more about the music i was listening to how like the behind the scenes stuff Mm -hmm. yes same here uh you know reading the the liner notes you start to get very familiar with a lot of names which years later <laughs> when i either would listen to podcasts or watch uh, interviews or or maybe even uh, go to a prince party and run into uh, a certain person then it starts to resonate back or 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 connect like oh okay that's uh, uh such and such oh there's uh susan rogers or so yeah, yeah. Uh, liner notes were uh, like you said, very important. Uh, I, I think it's something that's uh, taken for granted uh, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You miss out a lot of it if you're just listening to stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, only streaming. Streaming only, you know, and that's... I, I appreciate now going back to vinyl. I, I do buy vinyl for certain things. I don't buy everything that I listen to on vinyl. I don't have the space for that, but I certainly like buying vinyl when it's an artist yeah. that I really, really love. And mm-hmm. I want to have that experience with it, and um, so it's just one of those things, you know. I've got a little little vinyl collection. I got some CDs. I do still streaming, you know. I, I I've got it all. I do it all. I take advantage of all. all the different. Yeah, oh, yeah, I take advantage of everything that's still out there. Oh yeah. Okay, Same so way. another thing about it's going to be a beautiful night. This is a long song. Like this is the longest song on the album by far. It's like nine minutes long. So. Um, it, it definitely has that live feel to it. Like a lot of Prince songs, uh, if he was really, you know, if it was kind of one of the songs that he was focusing on at the time, and it wasn't just like, I'm going to pull this song out for a little bit of a this oldie for a snippet, and then we're going to, you know, kind of create a medley of different hits. Now, this was a song that wasn't on an album yet in August of 1986. So it's not like the Paris, France audience was going to know it. But he must have had it in his mind that he wanted to kind of utilize this this particular um, 
concert stop in Paris, France to record this song that was going to be meant for an album. Like, I don't think he just recorded it live by chance and just like, yeah, that was really cool. I'm going to use this for an album. I think it was the other way around. I think it was kind of like, you know, I want, I want us to practice this new song and we're going to play this new song here. And then it's going to be, we're going to take this uh, live recording and put it on my album. That's, that's kind of what I think. I don't know this for a fact, but that's my impression. Yeah. Well, from what I've read, it was something that I guess it was uh, sort of done on the spot. Uh, I think they, before the actual Paris show uh, earlier in the day where they were doing a sound check, they did like a little run through of the song and then and then they uh, actually uh, performed it later on that night. So it, it is, it does kind of, for me, it, it does kind of give a a song they just not really didn't really uh, rehearse a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you really are into uh, collecting the unofficial stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've I've actually heard the the Paris show, and if you hear the version on there, you can you definitely get a feel that. Yeah, this is something that they just recently just started doing. Yeah, so. yeah. Which explains why Prince Flynn took that basic recording. Because it's not, to your point, it's not just lifted directly from that show and placed on an album. Prince did a lot of overdubs on the song. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, and I'm yep. sure, yeah, if you, if you compare the two, people. yep, if you compare the two, the, uh, the original Paris live recording versus what ended up on Sign of the Times, you can really... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm imagining you can really pick up the differences, the changes, the things he added. Absolutely. And to your point right there, that's something that I actually did uh, yesterday in uh, preparation for this video. I went and played both. uh, Nice. Both versions. Yeah, because I hadn't heard, uh, I hadn't listened to that show in a long time uh, as far as in uh, completion. So I said, wow, okay. I mean, it was still good, but, and, it is a difference, you know. There, there are some some uh, similarities, but like you said, you yeah. could tell where he went back and did overdubs and put, uh, I think, Jill Jones and Susanna Melvoin. And uh, he added their vocals after. E. Yeah, from what I've read, uh, I believe they're credited in the liner notes, Susanna mm-hmm. and Jill on the. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were on stage with them that night or if they were added in overdubs. Well, I've actually seen uh, the video of that show too. I don't, I don't remember seeing Jill or Susanna on that show, but it's been yeah, a long I don't, time since I've actually seen it. Yeah, for some reason, I don't think. And somebody, please correct me if you're listening to this episode. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just, for whatever reason, didn't think Jill was participating in the parade tour. I don't know where I thought that. I might be. I mean, I, I will definitely eat my words if I'm wrong. But for some reason, I never. I didn't think that she traveled with Prince and, you know, was on the tour with him like he, she was on the 1999 tour. Yeah, I, I could I could be wrong. But. Well, I, uh, I, I would I would have to agree with you because I've never seen or read anything about her being around. You know, as far as, yeah, me neither. OK, the other thing I wanted to ask you, because the song starts out with the uh, oh, we oh. Oh, now that, of course, is uh, 
uh, a reference to the I guess it's called the March of the Winkies song from the Wizard of Oz, and they're the you know, the henchmen of uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, and so people recognize that you know, and that's been used in other songs. I, God, mm. I, I think there was an LL Cool J song that he did that in too. Yep, yep. I'm um, that type of guy. I'm yeah. a type of guy. That's yeah, right. yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm a So, Micah, having just heard the the Paris version, was that part of the Paris version, the live version? Yes. Okay. All right. mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about that. Okay, so that that's how the song starts. We get that, and you know, Prince is really kind of playing like band leader, hardcore in this song, or probably throughout this whole tour. But you definitely yeah. get a sense for it here because he's like, you know, um, shouting out instructions throughout the song. He has some other people do the same thing. You hear like female voices saying things as well. But Prince does a lot of that, you know, and like groove, drop out them horns, you know, and what because he's basically telling Eric in Atlanta to stop playing the horns because we're going to we're going to start singing now. And so instead of just like making it, you know, that or just having it part of the um, the timing that they practice, he says, drop out them horns. And that's how kind of the song starts after the OEO. And then we get to the uh, the first lines of lyrics. And, and this song, before we really get into the lyrics, I just will say there's a lot of lyrics in this song. A lot of it is kind of like repetitive, just kind of saying some of the same things over and over because it's it's supposed to be like a vibe. You know, it's not as we kind of briefly talked about before we you know started recording this episode. The song isn't like one of those like overly deep tracks and from a lyrical standpoint it's meant to be a party song party songs aren't necessarily going to be or have alternate meetings or something that's really buried under the surface that you have to kind of dig out to understand what prince is talking about yeah it's not real Mm -hmm. deep he's no he's not really getting into a lot of depth here and so and because there are so many lyrics we probably won't spend this episode dissecting every single line i will read them all but then we'll probably just kind of talk about like the overarching theme of the of the verse or anything that we found interesting anything we wanted to kind of highlight Okay, so the first verse is, it's going to be a beautiful, it's going to be a beautiful night. You got your world together, everything's looking all right. Tonight there's no tomorrow, this is going to be the one. And then you hear Prince sing out, all right, Paris, we're going to we're going to see how soulful you are. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Tonight we're going to lose our sorrow, tonight we're going to have some fun. Come on, say it. And this is where the credit is to Susanna, Jill, and Prince, and I can't personally like in this first verse i can't tell you know i don't hear alternating voices either they're all really in sync which is cool or it's just prince singing falsetto i can't tell necessarily that's just my ears yeah i i really can't hear them 
on that particular uh, verse. Uh, they could be in there, uh, or he could have maybe it did, <laughs> did some sort of uh, trickery where he buried their buried their yeah, vocals in the mix. Exactly. Because uh, he, I mean, to to be honest, let's, let's just keep it real. He, he did kind of do that to Wendy and Lisa with some of these tracks on the album. Uh, yep. But yeah, I, I, if if they are on there, it's, I can't really hear them. I, I definitely hear more so his vocal, you know, with his uh, falsetto. Yeah, that's what I get out of mm-hmm. is just Prince and his falsetto, mm-hmm. which is interesting because this is where you know there had to be overdubs because there's still lyrics going on. This is going to be the one. Tonight we're going to lose our sorrow. And then you hear Prince in the background calling out Paris. Oh, Paris. Like, it's crap. like, how can he be doing two things at once, you know, on live on stage? So this is where we get kind of our first clue that there's definitely been some overdubbing on this track. If you're really, Absolutely. really paying attention. But oh, yeah. for the most part, I think most people are just you know, getting into the to the groove of the song. And and you know something? When I was younger hearing this song, I always wanted to know, you know, because back then I was I was younger. I was a little I was a little ignorant to, you know, not knowing the uh you know all the, the different techniques they do, you know, when it comes to recording. So I always used to wonder how's he doing that if he's singing then <laughs> that you hear him actually talking to the audience. It was yeah. So yeah no it's it does uh it's a little jarring and that's why you're you kind of get the feeling or understand that this sounds live and you hear crowd noise in the background Mm -hmm. so there's at that point it's one of two things it's either fake crowd noise and this is all just a studio song or he has this live recording that he also then added stuff later but yeah when you're young you don't really you don't really know all that stuff yet right so it's a real optimistic kind of vibe that he's going for here. You know, you got your world together. It's going to be beautiful. Everything's look basically the future's bright. Everything looking looking great. You know, it's gonna. He wants to get the crowd kind of, um, you know, in a in a optimistic frame of mind, mm-hmm. positive frame of mind. It's time to party basically and stop caring about the stuff that he was singing about earlier in the song, like on Sign of the Times. <laughs> Uh, don't don't right. worry about all that. Don't worry about all that stuff. <laughs> Let's just party tonight. Right. Yeah. It, you know, when I was really going back, uh, listening to this song and uh, reading the lyrics, I, you know, there there were certain moments. Uh, now, this is when I was in my clubbing days. And uh, you know how it is sometimes when you have a rough week or a rough day and you need to get out and. You know, you want to you want to hit the town. You want to get out, you know, with your friends, your boys, and you know, just go go hit up the club and just and just party. It's it's almost like those lyrics sort of uh, resonate with me because I've been in situations like that where you know I had a rough day, but once you get to the a club or a party and the music, it just all that just it, it, it you just sort of forget about that. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you had a rough week, but hey, tonight it's going to be a beautiful night. You know, let's, so. Yeah, yeah. Trying to make it all okay for a little while and trying to forget all of that. And, you mm-hmm. know, music can, that's why people who really love music really love music because it kind of takes us out of uh, out of the, um, the reality for a little bit. Like we can mm-hmm. lose ourselves in the music. People, Absolutely. you know, can do that with movies or with, with books or mm-hmm. TV shows. But those of us who are 
in the huge music fans mm. we're gonna we're gonna be ta- utilizing music as our escapism in some ways escapism exactly I was, I was just about to use that word yeah yeah that's what it is that's what this song is too uh, it for for me and i think for a lot of people who enjoy it it's escapism oh yeah and then we get to the chorus and, and we do hear the oeo mm. kind of in the background here but the lines are very simple the chorus is very simple it's going to be beautiful it's going to be a beautiful night and you hear again you keep hearing prince periodically and throughout the song calling things out or talking to the audience speaking to the audience keep singing y'all it's going to be a beautiful it's going to be a beautiful night first Mm -hmm. clap your hands to the second verse which is little boy got the notion get some love tonight get your rap in motion for she's out of sight little girl at the party maybe she'd like to dance ring around the rosy pocket full of chance and again you hear prince in the background while these song while these lines are being sung saying paris are you ready and then he calls out the horns again horns do it um all right so the second verse has a few more kind of interesting has some interesting imagery here with the uh, little boy and little girl lines and then following it up with, you know, um, reference to basically like a limerick or a, a nursery rhyme, ring around the rosy, the old nursery rhyme, ring around the rosy, pocket full of posy, but here it's pocket full of chance because he's trying to rhyme chance with dance. Maybe she'd like to dance. So I guess with this, um, this section of lyrics, Micah, like, you know, with the whole little boy, little girl, and the the reference to a uh, nursery rhyme, what what mm-hmm. what do you think the vibe he's going for? Just like a youthful vibe, you know, trying to appeal to the to our youthful side. Uh, possibly so. When he says uh, "little boy got the notion to get some love tonight," I, I sort of had this vision of uh, like I don't know if he's saying. Uh, him as a little boy or or just let's just say uh just anybody as a little boy uh somebody who's at a party and he sees a girl or or his his agenda that night is uh okay you know like i gotta you know i gotta meet somebody i gotta go home with you know somebody you know tonight so and and when he says you better get your rap in motion means you know you gotta you know, you better make sure that your game is tight. You know, yeah. when you're gonna, you know, go up to a nice young lady and and spit your game or you know try to get to know her. And as far as the the little girl at the party, it, it, you know that, that the little girl is probably the uh, the girl who he's trying to rap to, but she's just there to, you know, just to have a, a good time, and just you know, get out there on the dance floor and get a groove on. He's at the club and he sees this beautiful, beautiful girl mm-hmm. it's, and uh, he wants to ask her to dance. And so it's kind of, again, one of those, um, the, the image you're getting is very similar to kind of like the image that you get from a song like You Got the Look when he sees a girl at the club or the beginning of I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. 
it's like a, it's like this common theme that he's got in a few of these songs on the second half of Sign of the Times where he's out partying and sees somebody fine and he wants to, you know, spit his game to her. And uh, the, the use of the word rapping, he does that in the next song, Adore, rap until the sun came up. Again, that's the same kind of rap. He's not talking about, you know, rhyming, you know, and the rap is the art form, the musical art form. He's talking about, as you said, spitting game to these girls. Uh, that he's trying to pick up and so yeah it's just it, i think it, it, that's the image we get we both get the same image i just okay. found it kind of curious that he's utilizing like all of these uh really kind of youthful this youthful terminology little boy little girl ring around the rosy you know <laughs> talking about it and so it, it, it's just an interesting kind of way of saying something that is pretty commonplace i think maybe yeah i, w- I was trying to figure out the the ring around the the rosy uh, connection, but yeah, I, I think I like your take on it. So, yeah, it just kind of gives you a youthful feeling. Maybe, I mean, not obviously doesn't want, don't want to go too young with it because then it gets a little weird, but, <laughs> but we'll just Whoa. stick with uh, young, young adults, <laughs> young adults. There you go. There you go. Talk 18 and over. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then to change the lyrics at the end, instead of, like I said, instead of pocket full of posies, pocket full of chance, you know, I just get like the chances, the chance he's going to take hitting on this girl, basically. Like he's got it, you know, uh, you're, not, yeah. you're not gonna, you're never gonna pick somebody up if you don't make the effort, you know, and don't right. go, go, don't go for it. You have to take a chance. Yeah. You gotta shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And he shot it. All right. Um, so then we go to the course again and it's still, this point it's still basically saying it's going to be a beautiful it's going to be a beautiful night and they repeat that again he does ad lib here guitars and drums groove um and then we get after this section it's kind of like this is where i start hearing some of the uh the women's voices a little clear whether it's Susanna or jill they come out more clear than they were in the first couple of verses where they say They say there's nothing better than sleeping on a rainy day. We could spend the night together. Come on, baby, what you say? Um, yeah, with these lines, you know, I guess I don't really know if there's any connection to these lines to the previous verse. Like, if you're supposed to assume that he was successful in in picking up this quote-unquote little girl at the at the club, and now that they're you know hanging out and maybe even talk about spending the night together. I don't know, uh, or or it could be completely separate grouping of lyrics that don't really have any connection to anything else that's been sung this far. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, Micah. No, that's pretty much how I uh, uh, took it. It's uh, you know after the uh, yeah ring around the rosy <laughs> uh, dance and you know and, and just uh, just sort of enjoying the moment, uh, the interaction, and. You know, obviously they sort of uh, connected uh, physically and and, you know, probably after the, you know, or maybe even during, you know, the club is uh, or the party, you know, while things are starting to wind down. And you know, so they want to 
maybe take things to a different level uh, afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, sleeping on a rainy day, that referencing that kind of gives you the feeling that they're they're digging each other enough where they actually want to spend some an extended amount of time together. Absolutely. Spend all night, sleep all day kind of situation. Definitely yeah. not getting the impression that it's a wham bam uh, set up here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's a real strong uh, connection. Mm-hmm. This, uh, that is uh, taking place. Yeah, yeah, and again, what this well, I think what this is trying to do in a song, like it's going to be a beautiful night. You know, it's just part of like what what makes the night beautiful. Uh, you know, finding somebody that you connect with, and it's cool if you don't, right? I mean, you can have a great night just out with your boys or your girls, mm-hmm. having fun, dancing, partying, whatever, and you don't have to like find somebody to sleep with or spend the night with or whatever. But if you do, cool. I mean, if that's what you're up for, that's what you're looking for as well, or at least if you're open to it. Um, you know, you're sing- if you're single, it's all good. You know, go for it. And that's Absolutely. kind of like here. Here's something that could make the night beautiful: having a connection with somebody else, physical, oh, yeah. mental, and what otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then we get to the chorus again, and this is Prince now seeing this. You know, this chorus is pretty much just Prince. I only hear Prince's voice here, and he's kind of talking in the lower register. He's not singing falsetto. It's going to be a beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful night. Oh, and he repeats that a few times. Uh, nothing kind of unique besides just the way it's delivered no unique lyrics there just he delivers it differently than he delivered the chorus previously where it was sung in the falsetto Then we get to the next verse, and these lines of lyrics are, No time for politics. No, we don't want to fight. Everybody get up. It's going to be a beautiful night. No time for sorrow. This is going to be the one. Tonight, there's no tomorrow. Tonight, we're going to have some fun. Are you ready, Paris? Uh, yeah, I mean, this this verse is very similar in many ways to like the first verse, just talking about you know, it's going to be a great night. We're going to, going to, you know, we're talking about positivity again. Try not to bring, bring it down with uh, talk about negative things or anything that's going to divide you. Like politics is a very divisive topic. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not get out there on the floor and or have you know drinks and start talking about things that are going to be really uh, potentially divisive, like politics or religion or anything that you know the the big no nos when you're <laughs> when you're in mixed company things you don't want to necessarily talk about when right. you're trying to keep the mood light, trying to keep the vibe light. Uh, we don't want to fight because you know th- those are the types of things people feel real passionate about. So it's not really mm-hmm. about that kind of passion. Doesn't yeah. want the deep discussions. Like there's a time and place for that. And Prince wasn't you know as we know he wasn't like somebody who never or shied away from deeper discussions in his in his music but it's going to be a beautiful night isn't the song to do it yeah like you said uh there's a time and a place for everything and, and this is uh this time is just let's let's just all let's just have a good time let's not uh worry about our our 
political views or religious views or what you know whatever it is let's just let's just all come this one let's just you know everybody uh on the same page a good vibe and just have a good time mm-hmm. and uh and uh don't worry about you know your your sorrows or whatever is going on you know in your personal life yeah he's re- basically like i said he's reiterating the point of the song and what he kind of expressed earlier in the song about put all that put all that stuff aside we're gonna we're gonna really just let it all out let it go mm-hmm. i i hear i don't know about you micah i kind of hear what i think is jill's voice towards the end like tonight there's no tomorrow tonight we're gonna have some fun mm-hmm. you kind of hear a woman singing in that kind of really strong vocal style that jill has i maybe it's just me hearing things but i i swear i hear jill there and in, in those two lines yeah, I think it's Jill. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think okay. it's her. Yeah, I back in the day, uh, after I seen the uh the uh concert film, I used to think it was Bonnie Boyer, but again, that's that's what liner knows him for. Yeah. So Yeah. So yeah. Um, that would be uh, how Bonnie would sing it, you know, like if they were doing the song on tour, because you'd see her she was she had that kind of also very strong vocal um stylings in her when she sang she had a very gospel sounding voice and so that would make sense make yes. complete sense why you would think that oh yeah uh, i was going to say uh, going back to the opening lyric uh, we said no time for uh politics no we don't want to fight i it, that part sort of reminded me or, or maybe harkens back to uh the theme of uh party up a little bit we with the opening line on party up he said we don't give a damn we just want to jam and party up so i, yeah. I actually uh thought about that uh, when i was going back listening to this song yeah that's and good it's a good connection because that song is a very much a political song but it's also kind of like screw politics you know screw your war we're not going to do that we're just going to party mm-hmm. and that's more about what that song's about this song you get that in lines like like what you just referenced no time for politics otherwise the song doesn't really talk about it that much but yeah a line like that for certain has right. that vibe. okay then we move on to the course again again we have more of the oeos we have some prince saying say it all and two times towards the end but i'm not going to repeat the lines because it's still just it's going to be a beautiful it's going to be a beautiful night, a beautiful night. <laughs> beautiful it's going to be a beautiful night and they repeat that you know numerous times we are beautiful it's going to be a beautiful night i like that um because uh it kind of brings it back you know self-reflection not just it's going to be beautiful but everybody's beautiful everybody has beauty in them and again it it's a really positive lyric to and when you're singing it you know, you just how can you how can you feel bad about yourself if Prince is telling you we're all beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's, exactly. that's just a great line. It's a great way to to kind of emphasize the whole positive and uh, joyful vibe that the song gives out. Absolutely. Uh, you just said that uh, joyful vibe. That's exactly what I can get from it. It's, it's just a it's just a real feel good uh, uh, moment, you know. Yeah, and they say it a lot too. They don't. Yes. It's not just hidden. It's not like we are beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful night. Then moving on, like they repeat it over and over and over and over and over. Exactly. And really kind of hammer home the point that you know we are beautiful, each and every one of us. Absolutely. Paris, say it one more time. And so he's trying to get the crowd to sing it too, and which is which is a great you know a great thing. It's not like he's saying, or. It's a good way if you're trying to get everybody in the crowd to participate, to to have that kind of mantra, we are beautiful, it's going to be a beautiful night, to, to really uplift the crowd as well. He's uplifting the listener of the song, if it's on Sign of the Times, uplifting the crowd in Paris, hopefully uplifting his band, even though they're about to break up. <laughs> so, um, rough, rough times in the revolution in August, late August in 86, but you don't get that from listening to the song. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 true. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, and, you know, there were some rough times, but I wonder if the band really felt like they were going to really break up, you know, during during that moment. Or yeah, not. probably but, not. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to we'd have to ask somebody from the revolution. What was the vibe that night at Paris? You guys were you guys as joyful on stage as, you know, you sound in the song or was there? Or were you just kind of uh, going through the motions? Hopefully, it's hopefully it's the former, not the latter. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Because that would kind of yeah. be a bummer. <laughs> when... Oh yeah, it, it would. It, and the funny part is, is that that was just such a a fun, just such a great tour. You know, as far as the the shows I've seen or even uh, listened to on audio. So yeah. it, it, you know, when they broke up, it's just like wow, like why. <laughs> But yeah, parade tour was one of those tours. I think a lot of people, if you, because the 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 purple rain tour with the revolution was a little, I mean, it was it was grand, it was big on a lot of different scopes. But and that was about towards the time the end of that, and they were starting to bring extra people on stage, and you know the tight yeah. little tight knit group was definitely getting bigger and bigger, bringing on like bringing Miko in, and we'll mm-hmm. reference actually Miko here in a second. He calls out Miko. Um, you've got uh, Greg and Wally, you know, you've got the, the horn players like Eric in Atlanta, like the, the revolution just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But, it, you know, Prince's sound kept getting bigger and bigger. He wasn't just making those, uh, you know, tight drum machine, LM1 drum machine songs with some guitar that he could recreate from the 1999 era. I mean, these were big songs. And this is a big song, too, from a sound standpoint. Sounds right. Big. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, he was somebody who was always uh, just uh, two, three steps ahead, you know, of the game. And uh, I don't know about you, but I often kind of wonder with this song if he was really trying to let me kind of test this song out on everybody in the band, and, and you know, let, let's just see who. Almost like let me just see who's who is the. Uh, uh, the funkiest you know, <laughs> you know this was a test yeah for sure yeah yeah because um I, I love wendy but it seems like miko is 
just just from the, the sound of it, it seems like he's out outshining her on this song a little bit you know the revolution broke up and miko went on with prince for the sign of the times and love sexy arrows so he made his choice yes he did So then we move on here. There's the ver- the chorus again, but then we have like this little more of an interlude, I would call it. He says, uh, everybody get way down. Tonight we're going to ball. Tonight we're going to get the bomb, y'all. I'm talking about the Detroit crawl. You have some horn stabs there. Everybody in the West, everybody in the East, paint the man a picture with my chicken grease. Get with it. Are you ready, Paris? Soul clap. Give me the bass. Give me the bass one time. So there's some kind of interesting references here, Micah. Uh, the Detroit Crawl is one. Um, I know that he recorded Coco Boys around the same time that the song was, you know, in um, being practiced, you know, in uh, tour practices. And uh, he was recording many songs around this time, stuff that we ended up getting on the Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition last year. And Coco Boys is one. I know he references Detroit Crawl in that. Yeah. In um, Detroit Crawl, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the dance or not the dance? Is that the one he's like kind of moving across the stage a little bit on his back? Is that the Detroit yeah, Crawl? I, I, I would say so. Because uh, when, when I first heard the, the song on the album, I didn't know what the, the uh, Detroit Crawl was. And then when sure. I seen the, uh, the concert film, I said, ah, so that's what the Detroit Crawl is. So, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. 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 So when I hear it, I, I sort of reference to uh, the actual performance on the movie, the, the concert movie. Mm-hmm. And the reference to Chicken Grease, is that just kind of like a reference to his guitar playing? I would say so. I wasn't quite sure. Paint the man a picture with my chicken grease. So he's he's, uh, you know, kind of playing with words there. Oh, yeah. You know, a little bit. Uh, you know, it's just fun lines. I mean, again, don't know if they're ad lib there on stage, you know, if stuff that he had had or had been practicing kind of like these these lines to, to you know, keep the vibe going. Because, again, this is a nine-minute song, so there's got to be, you know, he's he's on stage, nine minutes, you got to keep throwing stuff out there to the, to the crowd, to the band, to keep their interest going. Can't just be... And Prince is a showman. I mean, this is all... This, these are all showman tactics. He's Absolutely. not just standing there quietly playing his guitar and singing just, you know, lines that are predetermined and pre-written. I mean, he's trying to put on a show, right? You know, using James Brown as a as a great uh, touch point here to some of the ad libs that he adds in here. I think there's a little bit of that going on, or you know, some of that uh, inspiration comes out in this song a little bit. You just stole my thought. I was just about to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> no, I was just going to say the parade tour, it seemed like he was on his James Brown, you know, because he, he, he rarely played guitar, maybe uh, a couple of songs, but the only thing he really played was, the, you know, the organ and the uh, piano, but he was mostly just, just up there just uh, being a band leader and just really dancing his. Uh, 
you know, his uh, butt off <laughs> the yes. whole time. Dancing his little uh, butt off. Because <laughs> yeah, he was. exactly. Oh, yeah, he was. Really so. moving. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, but he, he was definitely on his JB. Definitely. Yeah. What we have next is what what has kind of been referred to as the Trans-Mississippi Rap section of the song. And this was obviously added in overdubs. This is Sheila E. talking on the phone, reciting a poem from a 19th century poet by the name of Edward Lear. So like not even a modern poet. This was some guy who was who was writing poems in the 1800s. Uh, limericks and you know children's types of nonsensical poems and this poem is called the table and the chair and sheila e raps this over the phone so her voice is kind of uh it's a little hard to understand because it's got it's got that long distance phone call sound to it you know Mm -hmm. people who know long distance phone calls back in the day and trying to record them this is what it sounds like I'm going to say um, because I feel like there's probably plenty of people who've heard this song and have never really understood every single line because she does them fast too. It's like she she raps it quickly and it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of a nonsensical poem, but I don't really want to talk about it too much, Mike. I don't I don't know what your thoughts are, but I don't want to go through every line and just like dissect this whole poem. Hey man, I feel you. I mean, I'm one of those people who didn't know what was what she was talking about. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. Uh, years sounds later, cool though. It does. It, you know, years later when I actually uh, printed off the the lyrics, uh, I was like, okay, this is this is pretty interesting. Uh, but the only thing I get out of it was uh, her flow was nice. The way she rapped it, it, it was her flow was real nice. Yeah. But, yeah, she was in Crush Groove around or shortly before this, so she's hanging around a lot of rappers. So she must have gotten picked up some tips from LL and and Run and, and Curtis oh, yeah. Blow. Curtis Blow, yeah, <laughs> Fat Boys, maybe possibly. Yeah, she's picking up some tips on how to how to flow. And so okay, so the poem again, as I mentioned, it's called "The Table and Chair." It's from a 19th century poet by the name of Edward Lear. She's talking about it. The Trans Mississippi Rap, I guess, gets the name because she was on the other side of the Mississippi River. So I'm guessing this scenario, because Prince was doing all this stuff in overdubs, who's probably at Sunset Sound in California. She must have been on the East Coast somewhere because she's originally from Cali. So if she was right. at home and he was in Sunset Sound, they'd be on the, in the same state. Same, uh, yeah. Exactly. And if Prince was back in Minneapolis, I looked at and verified uh, Mississippi River cuts right through the city of Minneapolis and Chanhassen. Minneapolis. Is is like like where he lived, like in uh, the Chanhassen area, is on the western side of the Mississippi River. So uh, the only thing that makes sense is that Prince was out in California recording this. Sheila must have been somewhere on the East Coast, 
or somewhere on the eastern side of Mississippi, and that's why it was called the Trans-Mississippi Rap. If anybody knows any different and knows exactly where Sheila was when this was recorded, let me know, because I couldn't find it. Okay, so the lines are, said the table to the chair, you can hardly be aware how I suffer from the heat and from the chillbins on my feet. If we took a little walk, we might have a little talk. Pray let us take the air, said the table to the chair. Said the chair to the table, now you know that we are not able. How foolishly you talk when when we know <laughs> you cannot walk. Said the table with a sigh, it can do no harm to try. I have as many legs as you, why can't we walk on two? So they both went slowly down and walked about the town with a cheerful bumpy sound. As they toddled round and round and everybody cried as they hastened to their side. See the table and the chair have come to take the air. But in going down the alley to a castle in the valley, they completely lost their way and wandered all the day. Till to see them safely back, they paid a ducky quack and a beetle and a mouse who took them to their house. When they whispered to each other, oh, delightful little brother. What a lovely walk we're taking, let us dine on beans and bacon. So the ducky and the little brawny mouse and beetle dined and they danced upon the heads till they toddled to their beds. Good God. <laughs> and good God is indeed after reading that. And she did that all like, you know, you super actually, fast. You actually flowed that pretty well. <laughs> I was going to I was going to try to go as fast as she went. Uh, but I had did not practice at all. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that was a wild choice. Yeah, because yeah, I... Yeah, I wasn't gonna try to do it. <laughs> Not that fast. Yeah, it's yeah. my show. I feel like I have to. So, right. the one takeaway I get from this also that I didn't always hear, because her, the rap part gets just kind of kind of overpowers everything else for me personally. But in the background, Prince is leading a chant. Can't nobody fuck with us. Can't nobody mm-hmm. fuck with us. And he's saying this over and over, and he's trying to get the crowd to repeat it. Can't nobody fuck with us. And I never, I never picked that up. Or I shouldn't say I never picked that up, but I rarely like heard all of those lines because I, again, I was just kind of transfixed by Sheila's rapping that I just wasn't paying attention to what Prince was saying in the background. So was he doing that in the, uh, do you, I mean, if you don't remember, that's fine. But was he doing, was he saying that? Was he chanting that in the live version from Paris? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. When I used to listen to the song on headphones, you would hear Sheila, I think, uh, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you hear Sheila on one ear and then you hear Prince on the other. I mean, I, mm. I could be wrong, but. That would make it easier for sure to pick them up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're just listening to it like in a car or something, you know, where you don't have that, the two different channels of uh, vocals, yeah, it, it's much harder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, was, I just he, thought it was kind of interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was that was him, you know, just letting the you know the crowd know that he was just you know letting people know that yeah, I'm the you know I got the baddest band you yep. know in the world. So I'm a bad man with a bad band. Yeah, exactly. There you, there you, That's what there he's you basically go. saying. And he even calls out the revolution right after after the um, after the rap. <laughs> revolution, baby, way down low. Beautiful night, y'all say it. And he repeats that. Beautiful night, y'all say it. Say, what a beautiful night, y'all say it. And he says that again. Beautiful night, y'all say it. Uh, wants them to repeat it. Say it louder, say it louder. And he says, Miko, Miko, hit me in the back of funk. Because he doesn't ask Wendy to hit him in the back of funk. He asked Miko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew he knew yeah. he was bringing the funk. You know, and that's kind of what he was there for. Bringing that funk guitar. Oh. 
to agree. Although I, I do think Wendy, Wendy can get funky. Oh, she, yeah. she, yes, she could definitely hold her own. Um, but yeah, but I think when it comes to the funk part, she, she got a little competition with Nico. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of Wendy and Lisa's solo stuff. So, yeah, uh, I'm definitely not a hater of, of their contributions, in the revolution, and their music. But you know, Miko, yeah. Miko was brought in for a reason. Though, you know, yeah. But yeah, you know, just more lines again. You know, on his JB tip, as you mentioned, he's just calling things out, saying saying stuff to get the crowd, continue to keep the crowd engaged, keep the crowd into it. And again, just beautiful night. He wants to keep uh, hammering that point home. It's a beautiful night. Everybody wants to. He wants everybody to repeat. Beautiful night. Say it louder. Uh, everybody feeling all right. Going to be a beautiful night. And and I'm not mentioning this, but throughout the song, repeatedly you hear the oh we oh oh. So who, who is saying that in the live version? Is it the guys? Like is it? Um, Jerome Greg Wally, Wally. Jerome, Jerome yeah. Wally and Greg Brooks, yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And he calls out the horns again, get the horns in here, keep singing, y'all, everybody clap your hands. And then he yells out towards the very end, confusion! And I'm like, yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> What's that reference to? I don't know. Confusion! <laughs> awesome. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> Yeah, when I first heard that, I I didn't know what was going on, and then you just hear all these, uh, uh, you know, the crazy uh, horn lines, and so. But years later, that was just a uh, cue, you know, for, for the band to to uh, uh, end it, I guess. Yeah, kind of uh, like ice cream. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's another one. Yeah, it doesn't make any oh, sense yeah. if you're listening to it out of context, but. It has certain meaning to the band, I'm sure. Confusion doesn't make any sense to us as listeners, but I'm sure it made sense to the this band. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's 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 the song, man. That's the entire song. We it's it's nine hours or nine hours, <laughs> nine minutes of uh, of live funk and some oh, yeah. added added over. Like I, I've heard that the horns were overdubbed, but I don't know why they would need to be. Unless the horns weren't as strong in the live version. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, from what I can remember, I, I believe the they they sound pretty identical to the to the live version. But maybe I have to go back and uh, listen to it again. Yeah, maybe but, I'll check uh, out uh, Dwayne Tudal's book in the, on the entry of this. Mm-hmm. You know, the recording date when he went back to the studio to work on the song again in November of '86. There might be some reference to that i just haven't worked my way through his book yet and this song you know we're it's pretty much out of wrap here now micah um anything else you wanted to bring up related to the song anything that we haven't touched on that you found interesting about the song or yeah i I was just gonna say i i always look at this the song now uh far as in the the context of the the album is sort of like a farewell send off to the revolution and, and that whole era which uh i know you mentioned at the beginning how you know uh when prince was uh going through certain configurations you know from the crystal ball which ended up uh, being a sign of the times once he sort of uh sliced it down to a, a double lp 
I, I always felt like, well, at least now, I always kind of feel like this should have been the last song on the album. Uh, as much as I love Adore, which is probably my favorite uh, song off the album, and it's a great album closer, but I think this equally could have been, um, you know, just as good as Adore as, as, an, as an album, <clears throat> excuse me, as an album closer. So... Yeah, I mean, and, uh, it was the song. It was the song that they ended the tours on, I think, for the most part. Yeah, yeah, they they signed the Times tour. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And you know, I I also kind of wonder, since you know this was sort of like a, uh, you know, just a song that was performed on on the spot. I I really kind of wonder if Prince was just trying to let me just throw this on the band and uh, let's just see what happens and. Uh, and it's it's good, but in person, like the time, it, like uh, that band just took this song and just really amplified it even more. And I think the the performance on the uh, the concert film really uh, just uh, exemplifies that, you know, because it, because I think the tempo was a little bit just a little bit faster, and it's just a little bit more funkier, you know. You know, it's just, I mean, the the horn lines is really what uh, just really kind of brightens up the song, you know, for me. You know, uh, Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a, a great song. It's, it's interesting. I, I'm glad you brought that up because now it makes me think like this was almost in some ways a last opportunity or last chance for the revolution to show them that they could hang with the direction he was moving. Yep. Um, and because it wasn't, it wasn't well rehearsed, as you mentioned, it wasn't a song that they had been rehearsing for months and before they performed it live here, it was pretty much like, Hey, I got this new song. Let's rehearse it a couple times. Then yeah. we're going to perform it. And, um, and maybe he was thinking his head like, kind of waffling on the idea of of breaking up the revolution or and moving on with a different band but maybe if they would have knocked it out the park that night and they and they gave him the sound that he was looking for maybe they wouldn't have broke up i don't know i mean there's no nobody's gonna know for sure right yeah but it could have been almost like uh like they didn't know it but it could have been like uh an interview or tryout you know (laughs) like who's gonna stick around with me and this, this is this is where i'm going this is the music I'm making now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm moving past kind of like the the old Minneapolis sound, uh, getting out some right. of the, some of these more, uh, adding more funk elements to my music. And I need a band that can hang with me and with the music that I'm going to be creating in the future. Mm-hmm. Be cool if I could still keep you guys with me, but you know, at the end of the day, I've got to do what's best for me. Yeah. It's just yeah, speculation. I, Don't know for sure that was going in his mind, but it does make sense. Exactly. I was just about to say it, it's, it's all up for uh, speculation. And I'm sure that was sort of a struggle with him because he, he was so close with Wendy and Lisa. Um, Bobby Z uh, also. And, yeah, been uh, with them since the 70s. Yeah. and But he's probably looking at she was banned and you know them being from the bay area and, and the bay area and that whole a lot of those groups played a very important influence on him 
you know, Sly, yeah. uh, Sly and the Family Stone, uh, uh, Santana, and uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm sure if he wanted to have the best of both worlds, he probably would have had everybody. But you know, at that time, it's like, you know, you, you know, you just had to pick and choose who who he felt, like you said, as far as where the next phase, the, the next uh, direction he wanted to go musically, he was going to pick who he felt was qualified to utilize uh, or, what, or, or whatever he was trying to convey next. And, yeah. you know, he, he did. Yeah, It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night is a great bridge between the Prince and the Revolution era and the Sign of the Times band. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, this was the revolution recording it, but it had elements of of that next band. Members of that next band were here and part of the parade tour. Uh, you got Miko still there, Greg and Wally. I mean, they weren't musicians per se, but they were part of the vibe of the whole band mm-hmm. that was evident on and you know present on stage during that tour. Yes. and um, and he was able to. I think, I think it was just as I mentioned, it was a good bridge. And as you suggested, kind of like a, a farewell kind of song for the revolution. Like this is the this is my chance to say goodbye to the revolution on record because he didn't have to include he didn't have to include that recording at all on Sign of Times. He could have re-recorded. It's, it's going to be a beautiful night. Um, but he, you know, he, I think in late '86 he still hadn't figured out who his next band was going to be entirely. Like mm-hmm. he was still anybody wanted as part of the project so what are you going to do you want a live song i mean he's done songs that had a live feel to it where it was just himself housequake for example but um but you also can tell in housequake even though it sounds like he's trying to create a live setting in studio you can tell you can tell it's just a bunch of princes singing in the background (laughs) if you're paying attention and i think it and you know and adding the crowd noise um just adds a bit of it's just not as authentic and he was looking for a bit more of an authentic live song i think for this for this particular recording but yeah no it's it's good insight and um great way to kind of close out our conversation it's going to be a beautiful night yeah so with that said micah can you uh let people know where they can find the show and point point them in direction for your social media pages Oh yeah, you can uh, find me on YouTube at the uh, the Purple Underground YouTube uh, uh, channel. Um, uh, for me personally, you can look me up on Facebook, uh, Micah Simpson. I'm also on uh, Instagram at Micah Simpson underscore CMS. You know, just uh, look me up, get at me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Yeah, thank you. I I, I really do uh, appreciate it. I'm I'm a fan of the the podcast, man. and I uh, just uh, want to you know, salute you and uh, keep up the good work, man. Really do uh, appreciate your your voice out here on these purple streets. Yes, yes. <laughs> Got to keep waving the purple flag for Absolutely. for the man after he's gone because uh, his music Absolutely. needs to continue to live on, and and uh, those of us who Grew up with it, love it, and have been listening to his music, whether it's been for five years or, you know, 40 years. Uh, it all means a lot to us, and I think it's really important for us to continue doing what we're doing, what you're doing, what I'm doing, different mediums, but 
you know you got to get the got to kind of reach the people in any way you can and so youtube oh, uh, yeah. podcast whatever it takes um blogs writing you know we, yes, we're sir. all out here we're all out here doing our best and and it's fun i mean i if i didn't have fun doing this i certainly wouldn't because um, it's there's definitely some work involved and I'm you know you making YouTube videos is not something that I'm sure that is super easy you got a lot of editing you know and you got to prepare and there's work involved but it's but it's fun and that's why we keep doing it yeah absolutely we uh, you know when we started doing the, the YouTube channel it, it, that's exactly what it was pr- pretty much based on we just wanted to do something fun just sort of lend our voices uh, to, you know give our personal takes on uh, the music that we enjoy. Uh, so, uh, you know, for everybody who's who follows our YouTube channel, we we haven't been um, it, the the channel's been on a little hiatus <laughs> at the moment for other reasons. But hopefully, uh, me and uh, you know my my man, uh, my partner Pete Ross, we can uh, get back on the same page and uh, putting out some uh, some content. Uh, a little bit more on a consistent basis, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But other than that, I'm I'm very appreciative to be on the on uh, your podcast, man. All right, thank you so much. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show on social media, Press Rewind Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm also putting episodes of the podcast on YouTube, so look up Press Rewind Pod on YouTube. It's not a video show. It's just episodes of the podcast with music scrubbed. But some people like YouTube and listen to the show on YouTube. So I'm, I'm putting it up there for you. Um, you can also check out my blog, PressRewind.net. I try to put stuff on there every once in a while, like little musings about the songs that I'm writing about or little musings about the songs I've recorded episodes for, sometimes diving into some of the um, the all other Prince uh, music that's out there whether it's b-sides or you know remixes some of the um, associates that he's worked with over the years so check it out and until next time thank you and goodbye <laughs>